0: Superman and Adam Strange. Welcome to FW Team Up, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm Siskoid. And I'm Bass, Taking you through a classic superhero team up, Superman and Adam Strange from DC Comics Presents number three, cover dated August and November of 1978. And Bass. We haven't
1: talked on air for four months. So, how's it been going? <laughs> uh, it's it's been uh, things have been going. Oh, I sold my house. Mm. I, I moved to another place. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. That's good. All right. Yeah. Great. You're even going to teach a course this year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be uh, teaching. I'll be a professor. Dramatic
0: arts. Yeah. Yeah. The arts of the drama. A bit of theater, yeah. Very exciting. We're here anyway. We're all very busy, but we're here <laughs> yeah, anyway yeah. for another dose of Bronze Age team-ups. And we preface with a reason or reasons why we like the guest character. So what's so great about Adam Strange? You told me last time that you really like this character. You were excited yeah. about this one.
1: Well, I, I am because Adam Strange is a—it's a kid's fantasy. I mean, you're being transported to another world and you become the hero of that place. And my, I mean, that's just fun. And in this context, Adam Strange is like the reverse Superman in a way. Mm. Uh, instead of being an alien on earth with powers, he's an alien because he's not on earth and he's on Ren. And well, he's brave and he has a jetpack and he has love and, and love. <laughs> and yeah, he has love, brave and a jetpack and a ray gun. He has a uh, love, ray gun, jet pack. He's brave. He's just that all around great pulp, sci-fi, weird hero. I just love it. I mean, he fights big, ugly monsters all the time. It's wonderful.
0: I think that premise is very romantic. Uh, I think that's what I like about it. The man is zapped to another planet. He finds the love of his life, but the radiation, you know, the Zeta radiation keeps wearing off and it forces him to catch that beam again so he can get back to her. Uh, And I think when they removed that and they made Strange just live on Ron, you said Ran. I'm going to say Ron. Okay. Nobody knows the truth. Potato, potato. (laughs) There's no parsing this one out. But, (laughs) you know, when they just left him on Ron, the the Zeta Beam wasn't a concern anymore. I think it made him more generic. And uh, there there seems to be fewer stories there to tell. Hmm. I I realize when we're doing that in Mystery in Space, you know, every month – it was kind of a gimmick, I suppose. But I still like it. Like, even in longer form, I think you could play around with that where he's stuck on Earth, but he longs for her. And um, and then he plans out where, you know, calculates where the Zeta Beam is going to hit. And maybe there's an adventure to get to that. And then an adventure on Ron. So I feel like that, you know, the core concept of Adam Strange is something they shouldn't
1: get away from too much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a little bit like uh, Batman's parents or the parents' killers. If you solve that thing, it's kind of a it kind of weakens everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you don't want to shake up those foundations too much. Exactly. Right. Well, let's talk about Adam Strange publication history and go back to those days of mystery in space. So um, this one has a nice history that's chronicled online. Uh, in 1957, DC Comics editorial director Irwin Donnenfeld... Uh, Held a meeting with editors Jack Schiff and Julia Schwartz in his office, asking them each to create a new science fiction hero, one from the present and one from the future. He's got two editors, so he needs two ideas. Uh, And given first pick, Schiff chose to create one from the future, and that became Space Ranger. Schwartz was happy with the pick uh, that he got, feeling that readers would more readily identify with a hero from the present, and he conceived the idea of an Earthman repeatedly traveling to a planet in the Alpha Centauri star system by using the Zeta Beam. And since Adam Strange was the first Earthman on another planet, he named his character Adam, after the biblical... First man, obviously. And the whole concept is strongly inspired, obviously, but also by Jack Carter of Mars stories by Edgar Rice Burroughs, who is uh, zeta beam to Mars. <laughs> of course. In yeah, those stories, yeah. yeah. Uh, Adam Strange debuted in issues 17 through 19 of Showcase, published November 1958 through March 1959. Murphy Anderson designed the costume. Gardner Fox was tapped to write the stories. Sales were enough to justify giving Adam Strange a slot in Mystery in Space, which ran uh, in issues 15, 53 to 100, plus 102, uh, with Carmine Infantino as main artist and inks by Murphy Anderson. In the Justice League of America comic, The Flash mentioned Adam Strange as a possible new member, but then a letter to the editor pointed out that the group hadn't met Adam Strange, it couldn't not have heard of him because all his adventures take place on another planet, so they wrote a story showing how the Justice League came to Ron and how Adam Strange saved them from Kanjar Rho. The story was published in Mystery in Space Number 75, and it won the Alley Award for the Best Book-Length Story of 1962. Ooh. After the strip was discontinued in 1965, Strange Adventures would present a couple years worth of reprints. In the 1970s, the character was a regular presence in the DC Universe, despite having no series of his own, thanks to some Ron Thanagar conflict, keeping Ron alive and evolving. In 1980, Adam Strange began as a backup feature in Green Lantern, from uh, 132 to 147, and later Alan Moore wrote a retcon of Adam Strange's reason for his visits to Ron, establishing Ron's population as sterile, and Adam Strange is there to be A breeding stud. Whether you like that or not is (laughs) uh, is personal. Uh, And that takes us really to the 90s, and I always let you pick up from there.
1: Yeah, Adam Strange has been part of... A lot of stuff. In 1990, Adam Strange got a new limited series, Adam Strange, The Man of Two Worlds. We rediscovered the sci-fi pulpy raw as we learn about Adam's backstory on Earth, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's a devastating story of love and life and acceptance. It's a, a very serious read, actually. It's, it's very pulpy. There's, you know, nudity and everything. As Superman comes back to the JLA in JLA 20 and 21 in 1998, this is when he regains his uh, traditional red and blue costume after the electric Superman thing. The entire JLA is caught in a beam of light they're Zeta-beamed to Ron, and uh, they're taken uh, as slaves by, dun-dun-dun, Adam Strange. And uh, it was all a ruse to save Sardat, Alana, and Aliyah. But as usual, hearts are broken as Adam is teleported back to Earth before he could celebrate with his family. 2004, Adam Strange returns with uh, Planet Heist, and uh, he tries to go to Ran and uh, stay there permanently, but Adam finds he is blamed for the destruction of the planet. The planet's not even there anymore. Although the planet wasn't destroyed, it was just transported to another dimension by Sardath. Strange, with the help of the Omega Men and the Dark Stars, uh, defeat the evil Starbreaker who was trying to destroy Ran. The Ran-Tenegar War... Uh, Sounds, uh, rings a bell. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the the gateway to the infinite crisis. The relocation of Ran uh, causes the planet Thanagar to move closer to its sun, destroying the planet. Thanagarians are relocated to Ran. There, the social political climate becomes just tenuous and war breaks loose. Later on, Adam Strange, Hawkman and Hawkwoman, along with Kyle Reiner and Kilowog, work hard to end the conflict. And uh, Strange discovers that the implication of Superboy Prime, remember that guy, the biggest ass in the history of the DC Universe, in the destruction of Thanagar. Then comes the new, 50, uh, not the new 52, just 52, the, the event. 52. Uh, the, Strand- good, the good 52. The good, Well, the better 52 <laughs> for the new 52 fans out there. Uh, all three of you. Uh, Stranded on a planet with other heroes, uh, in this case, Animal Man and Starfire, Adam Strange is held prisoner by Devlin's The Pursuer. He lost his eyes. They escape. They battle Lady Stakes. Barely escape. Got rescued by Kyle, Reiner, and Mogo. Uh, Strange got new eyes, uh, thanks to Elena, who created and cloned new eyes for him. Next, Countdown to Adventure. This is where Adam Strange has like a, a nice series there going on. Once again, Adam Strange is partnered with Starfire and Animal Man as space adventurers. In this series, Adam Strange is replaced... As the defender of Ran, the new protector of Ran, as well as a third of the population of Ran, is infected by a madness plague created by Lady Styx. Adam and his family escape, and then he and his fellow adventurers find a way to cure the plague, and everybody lives happily ever after. Until our next episode, which is the Ran-Thanagar Holy War. I didn't even know this existed. This is all like
0: Jim Starlin stuff, isn't it? It's like... It's, yeah, yeah. I think so. I I, I, I really tapped out of, of, yeah, of I, the DCU uh, cosmic stuff when Jim Starlin was doing it.
1: I, I know, me too. And I'm kind of rediscovering it. And while I was doing this, very intrigued, I might read all of this. Adam Strange, Starfire, the Weird, and Starman, the Prince Gaven Starman, they battle Sinar, the Demiurge. I am not sure what a demiurge is, but I think it's when you kinda want something, but you don't.
0: <laughs> I know what it is, but I'm I'm not gonna I'm not yeah. gonna open the parentheses. <laughs> okay
1: uh, Prince Gavin's Starman's world Is uh, depopulated By Lady Sticks And Sinar Which is the big Baddie in here Ran uh, was to be next To be decimated By the evildoers But in a last ditch Effort to save lives And beat Lady Sticks And Sinar The population of Ran Was zeta-beamed To Throne World And Ran's atmosphere Is blasted into space And this is how uh, They beat Lady Sticks And Sinar Throne World Is now new Ran There's a thing called the Aberrant Six. (laughs) We learned that if the Aberrant Six are formed in the future, it will prevent the sinner from this time to destroy the universe. I know it's confusing. I'm confused. We're going to stay confused, I I I think, for this thing. Strange will be part of this Aberrant Six in the future. How? I don't really know. Next up. Rebels. Uh, Adam Strange teams up uh, with uh, Brainiac 2, which is Real Docs. Uh, Real Docs and Adam Strange save the Vega system from Starro. Uh, Not just the big star thing, but Guy in charge of the big star things. We learned this along the way. He also goes to New Krypton to protest an accord made with the Tanagarians. He teams up briefly with Superman, investigates murder. And then, after Vril Dox's war with Starro, who stole a legion from him, Dox Zeta beamed Ran, the old one, to the spot where Tamaran, that's Starfire's uh, uh, planet, uh, was before it was destroyed, and terraformed old Ran. So it could sustain life again. Then uh, Ranians uh, let Docs use Ran as base of operations for the new Legion. He doesn't play a very large part in all of this, but he becomes the lead commander of Legion. Now, in the new Fifty Two, Adam Strange is now a Canadian, so he will say a and Took once in a while. Uh, he's a professor from Toronto, works in Peru, Zedabim Tehran. Elena and Strange become founding members of Jail United, which is basically uh, Justice League Canada, uh, which I do I do think sounds better, and they fight Vandal Savage. Uh, hilarity ensues. DC Rebirth, Death of Hawkman, and this is pretty recent. I mean, 2016, Adam Strange and Hawkman are stuck in the middle of yet another. Ran Thanagar Conflict, but something stinks in this one. And spoiler alert, Despero wanted to steal all the Nth Metal. Uh, Despero just being this huge Justice League strength villain was just too strong for uh, Strange and Hawk. And Hawkman, in a true warrior fashion, ordered Adam Strange to destroy the Nth Metal, uh, killing Hawkman in, in the process. Despero also falls in this fight, and uh, when Adam Strange destroyed the Nth Metal, a portal opened and sent them to another dimension. And this is where it gets really fun. He goes to the Hanna-Barbera dimension, where Adam Strange teams up with Johnny Quest for one little comic book. And, uh... Weird. (laughs) And we're there!
0: Uh, Yeah, well, I'll just mention the live action. Uh, Adam Strange was a member of the cast of Krypton. Really, it was essentially Rip Hunter, Time Master, because the Zeta Beam has a time travel component that takes him back to, you know, to the times of superman's great grandfather grandfather whatever it is and in animation he appeared in batman the brave and the bold in young justice invasion and dc superhero girls as well as a dc showcase short and green lantern beware my power so he's
1: he's around Uh, he's around he's always around in the big things but he's never a key player he's cool in everything but except for the Rand thanagar war he's rarely on the front lines but uh He's always around.
0: Because he's a hero of a different planet, and we're more concerned with Earth. That's normal. It Um, is. Yeah. And I feel like there's just too much of this Rantanagar stuff. It's like, enough already. Like, you know, stop fighting. Uh, Especially since it's two planets where there's, like, there's a hero from each. How about developing other threats? I guess they're really close together. You're, I don't know where Thanagar really is. I know Alpha Centauri is real close.
1: Well, in in the Ran-Thanagar war, I mean, uh, Thanagarians blame Ran for, I mean, the destruction of their planet. I mean, that's the start of a fight. That's for sure. They
0: were also fighting in the 70s.
1: Yeah. It just feels like
0: these are two Buck Rogers type kind of heroes, you know, two kind of pulpy sci-fi heroes. So we pit them against one another and we've decided their planets are close together. So they're always in conflict. It's just all of those stories are not at all my favorite ones. So
1: yeah, yeah. no, I get you. I did like the last one, the death of Hawkman, which is a great great name for this series. Death of Hawkman, which is something I've been rooting for, for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, He's died
0: plenty of times, Bass. You get, you get your wish all the time. He's got a resurrection power.
1: I know. Or a reincarnation
0: power, whatever it is. is. horrible.
1: But I did really enjoy that. These two unlikely try and figure out what the hell's going on. I'm right smack down in the middle of uh, reading it. And I did read the Adam Strange, Johnny Quest team up. And that was fun because Birdman was in it also. And uh, he called him Hawkman. And he was like, what? What? Somebody's called Hawkman? It was great. I loved it. I might check that one out.
0: So let's get into this story proper. It is called The Riddle of Little Earth Lost. It's written by David Michelini with art by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez.
1: Praise be be his name.
0: And no anchor to muddle things up. Amen. Right? It's like, like There's a big shift between the last issue and this issue in terms of art. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, we'll talk about that yeah. later. Superman is returning to Earth after a space mission, but he finds Ron where his adopted planet should be. After dealing with some of the Civil War unrest currently affecting the planet, he finds Sardath and Alana, who explain that Adam Strange was conducting a Zeta Beam experiment that accidentally switch the planets instead of teleporting just himself. Then lethal, moisture-absorbing mists from the city of Ranagar's water supply starts affecting the population, a result of being under a single sun instead of three. And Superman must spring into action, unable to evaporate the mists with his heat vision, he grabs three glass domes off buildings and puts them in orbit so that the sunlight will be reflected three times at the city, the mist turns to rain, and that's that. Superman uses supervision to follow the Zeta Beam Trail to a ruined temple where an old Adam Strange foe is hiding. Cascor! The scientist actually responsible for the planetary switch. Superman makes a grab at him, but he's just a hologram, which springs a trap on the Man of Steel, a cage with an overhead red sun lamp. On Earth, currently orbiting Alpha Centauri, Adam Strange appears in Metropolis. The triple suns have overexcited bioengineered algae at Star Labs, turning it into a giant monster. Uh, strange boils a nearby rooftop pool to create enough steam to cover the sunlight long enough for the scientists to safely put the algae in light-proof containers. <laughs> This makes him the new hero everyone wants a piece of, fans, and Lois Lane. He knows who she is and flies her to the Daily Planet to take stock of what's been happening.
1: As uh, Lois contemplates the similarities between Adam Strange and another superhero that she knows, our human hero has a definitive clue to the whereabouts of the source of the problem. A nice glacier in the middle of the Australian desert is the ultimate sign of a zeta beam. Adam's hunch is right, and he finds the malicious Kaskor. How malicious is he? Well, Cascor is so malicious that his plan is to not only zeta beam Ron where Earth is and teleport Earth to Alpha Centauri in place of Ron, and it's not just a mess up every astrology chart out there, he's also using Adam Strange as a trigger, as he will be bringing back Ron to its usual place, but delay the return of Earth, causing Ron to be teleported in the exact same space occupied by Earth, destroying everything. Best evil plan ever. As chapter three starts, Superman arrives on Earth, of course, positioned near Alpha Centauri, And foils Castor's plan. Using his super cape as a mighty sun shading super umbrella, Cal got his strength back. He could destroy the Red Sun prison and Superman came back to Earth to capture Cascar. Although Cascar was defeated and captured, the impending doom of the two planets being teleported in the same spot in the universe was still very much there. We're all thinking the same thing right at this moment. How fast is Superman? Because could he go faster than the speed of light? Because Alpha Centauri is pretty far. Uh, There's another explanation. Superman knows of space warps. Wormholes that are pathways to great distances without using excessive amounts of speed. Basically, space shortcuts. But it doesn't help in the stopping of the Zeta Beam to call back Ron to its original place or does it After Adam Strange suggests that Superman uses incredible strength to move Earth out of the way giving room for the arrival of Ron uh, the Man of Steel rightfully retorts that the maneuver would probably be destructive to Earth then a new plan is formed using a very cool yellow spaceship full of explosives talk about going out with a bang right they will push the space warp so that Earth passes through with Superman having to move it only a few inches. The plan works, and a very beautifully timed and very dramatic finish happens, and Earth is saved, and Rand comes back to its original place. There's two epilogues in this. Epilogue one Clark Kent, news anchor, reads the news about uh, Adam Strange, never mentions Adam Strange's name, but says thank you and a wink. Adam Strange is not on earth i don't know why he's doing this and uh epilogue two i shouldn't comment right uh, I, while i'm doing the synopsis and epilogue two adam strange is back in the arms of his love elena in the wonderful city of ranagar on Rand, telling her that he's home single tear very beautiful
0: All right. Well, no, you should have kept comments for now, but.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, don't worry. I'm sure you have some. Yeah. Oh, I I loved it, though.
0: I love it. Let's just start with the cover, as we usually Hmm. do. Another JLGL original. What do you think of this one?
1: Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. It has so many expressions. I mean, the, the characters come to life. Superman is visibly angry. Adam Strange is confused and scared. And the other guy, Kaskar, cascor uh, he has uh, the weirdest suit and has <laughs> this expression. He's he's so happy with himself. The robot is great. It's a beautiful panel-like cover that I really liked when I was young and I still like now.
0: Okay, so when you were young, you had this comic. Uh, I didn't have it. I had a a version right, of this right, in French black version, and white in right.
1: French. And...
0: But nevertheless, it had the same art. And then they would like cram all these French words in the balloons. <laughs> And they didn't fit. You know, French takes more words to say the same thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so yeah.
0: As we said uh, at the top, you know, Garcia Lopez inks himself here. And this was something we wondered about because we're not peeking ahead, right? So when we <laughs> did issues one and two, there was an inker and yeah. it just didn't feel as sharp. Not at all. Mm, there's something wrong with this art. And we wonder, well, is it just because it's very early art from him uh, or is it the inker? I think we got our answer here. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We did. It's the inker. Because when JLGL is inking himself... It is so clean, so
1: sharp. The close-ups are beautiful and expressive. And, you know, the faraway shots are always so clean and and precise. And it's really, really good.
0: And great at anatomy, too. A very muscular artist when it comes to anatomy and just movement. And the figures are very dynamic in what they're doing. It's not all the same pose. So it feels very athletic in terms of... Uh, superhero action. I don't know how much of this is... Obviously, DC Comics was working normally from scripts, not using the Marvel method. So we can imagine that uh, the, the writers are actually writing in these really crazy things for Superman to do in particular. Again, Superman is doing some really crazy stuff and sometimes I wonder, it's like, Is this just stuff that Garcia Lopez wants to draw, and maybe there's a communication (laughs) there, or you know, I know it's not Marvel method where the artist kind of uses the the plot line to and dresses it up as they want. At the same time, it's like it seems so it seems so perfect for his type of bigger than life superhero action. That I don't know where it necessarily comes from, (laughs) but it's it's really cool. It is. I I also want to give a shout out to the very first page, the double splash, because that's also how the previous story started. Yep. Right. We had Superman going to that town, and at the same time, we had Flash going to that same town, and they were, uh, you know, in two separate um, vertical panels. Again, they've done this. So I wonder how long they're going to keep doing it, if if at all. But we've got Superman returning to. Earth, but it's Ron, and we've got Adam Strange fighting that monster. And we'll just track back, you know, we'll just rewind a little bit once the story starts. But it's a shot from within the story where Adam Strange is on Earth rather than Ron, but doing Ronian things. Yes. he's fighting a monster (laughs) that's a you know that got away from scientists. That's a Ronian thing to do. It just happens on Earth,
1: and it's it's always a gruesome monster. It you know it has tentacles and it looks dangerous and it's probably going to eat someone. So yeah. Yeah, it's great. So
0: again they've done it like like there's a mirror effect. I mean literally there's a mirror effect in here because Superman is Zeta-beamed. Well, he's not actually Zeta-beamed because he's flying. The planets have been Zeta-beamed. So it's Superman on Adam Strange's planet, Adam Strange on Superman's planet. So there's going to be a mirror there. Just like you said at the beginning that these are sort of the reverse of one another. Absolutely. They're they're both aliens on their particular worlds. Yeah. Their love life is, you know, what Lois Lane and Alana have uh, similar black hair. And once you see them in the same story... You know, depending on an artist, maybe you might not know who, which is which, you know, necessarily. So they've got these parallels going on. And within the story, Iranian things happen on Earth. But they're also having Adam Strange, you know, uh, everybody wants an autograph. That feels like a very Superman thing oh, to yeah. happen. Big time. Right? It's like Superman Big time. finishes up whatever. People run Adam, they want autographs and he's very happy to do so and here it's just adam strange in his position so they're doing things and just like superman has to take care of business on ron they're just doing each other's work playing each
1: other's part being presented as equals you know uh, superman is this super powerful superhero and i mean adam strange is just just a guy i mean he's an athletic guy don't get me wrong with a jetpack and a Ray gun and and love, but you know, he's, he's still just a guy and he does still play the superhero in Metropolis, even though he's, you know, he's, he doesn't have superpowers. I really like that first splash page, um, because they're kind of inversed and they're kind of the same and they're both part of some kind of duality of heroes. And in, in the first splash page, Superman is flying downwards in this, you know, very strong, very Superman pose. And Adam Strange is flying upwards and it creates this kind of a yin yang type thing going on here with just that first page. I mean, it's so well balanced and so nice. It's very, very good.
0: I want to mention a couple of uh, tiebacks to continuity um, okay. just, to, just to prove that we did our research. So the, the weird <laughs> science of the mists of Lake Insala, where, well, the mists come out of it and start choking people, and it's just like, okay. Regardless of that, the lake does previously appear... It is the uh, Ranagars drinking water reservoir, so that's that was always there. So they're they're just using yeah. continuity there. And Cascor, who I said an old villain, uh, he has appeared before. He his first appearance was in Mystery in Space number sixty eight back in okay. back in nineteen sixty one, uh, and he would show up well here <laughs> because after that he shows up in nineteen eighty. So two years after this issue of DC Comics Presents in Adam Strange's backup in Green Lantern, and then in an issue of World's Finest. So really, this is his second appearance. So they just went and got him from the depths of history, 1961, (laughs) because they wanted a returning villain, which is interesting because, you know, we – last time, it's like they they invented – these aliens. And it's always like, well, you know, you've got a deep bench at this point. DC should have a deep bench of, yeah. of villains from the past. So why not use them? And in this case, they really did, but it feels kind of new because nobody remembers this guy. Cascor. No, no.
1: You'd remember that hat that has like these weird antenna. I don't know. He looks like he should be working in a mine. I, I don't really understand what his gimmick is, Yeah, but, um, uh, he is trying to get revenge. So whatever happened in uh, Mystery in Space number 68, Cascor really, really had a chip on his shoulder with that one. I suppose. <laughs> I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah, now.
0: No, he really hates uh, Adam Strange because this feels like it is the ultimate revenge. And he's from Ron. So, I mean, he's destroying Ron as well. You know, I'll destroy Ron, which is his adopted world, and I also destroy hers, mm-hmm. which is his birth world. So he's
1: really going for it. Yeah, and, and I will admit, it is a great plan.
0: In terms of how epic it is, yes.
1: Uh, it's a great plan. I was actually
0: uh,
1: taken aback. I was like, wow. How is this not a crossover event? <laughs> yeah, well, this guy coming out of nowhere, you know, taking on Superman, uh, trapping him. I'm like, ooh, Cascor, he's he's doing it. I mean, for a second appearance, this is pretty heavy. He almost got away with it.
0: Almost gets away with it thanks to some, maybe some plot holes. I'm thinking, like, the, the whole thing with the Justice League. Like, the Justice League can't do anything because he waited for them to be in their, on their satellite and then switch yeah. the planets. But also, Adam Strange switched the switch on the Zeta Beam. Yeah. So, how is, does this timing necessarily work on Cascor's side? Also okay, if the Justice League satellite uh, is now orbiting Ron instead of Earth, where all the apparatus is and, you know, so obviously the, the biggest heroes can't stop it. The plan is really taking place on Earth. But also, they're in orbit around Ron and they don't show up. They don't do any – they don't re- react. Yeah, it's a big plot. Yeah, there, there are many – I mean, it's it's a team-up book. You got to cater to your two stars. You can't be thinking just because this is like large scale – all the superheroes have to – every series is basically like this. You know, anything – Superman fights back an in Alien Invasion, you don't see Tom, Dick, and Harry, um, yeah. who are probably three Robins at this point, <laughs> do anything about it, you know. So yeah. it's not abnormal. I'm just saying they go and especially say that the Justice League is trapped on their satellite or, you know, yeah. have not been switched. So it makes me wonder. And when you say that Superman and Adam Strange aren't technically in the same class – you kind of see it in that first Ron sequence, because when he fights the the Civil War rebels, I guess they're the Rebs, it's just like he stops one of their scooters with just one finger. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like a very uneven fight where he just blows at them, you know, basically, and freezes the lake under them or the, the mud under them. So they're under they're stuck. And it's very yeah, easy yeah. for him. So what they actually do is give him a threat worth superman's abilities which is the whole thing with the the gas because that can't be st- like adam strange would have had trouble fixing that
1: yeah 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 it, although it is a weird I, I the mist that dehydrates people and yeah absorbs i i'm like how does that work and you know for for a comic book that has so much science in it I mean, Superman uses his speed to create this backdraft that'll get water into the people who are attacking him, the motors of their bikes and whatever, you know, he's using real life science, but the science on RAN is, is weird. This mist comes out of everywhere and because it's colder, I mean. I
0: don't know its properties. It's like, yeah, because it's colder because they're normally the sun would keep That mist, I guess it's a a bacteria.
1: I guess. normally, more heat means more bacteria. Yeah, exactly. And this is kind of reversed. Earth had this problem because all of a sudden, three suns and it's warmer and and everything is going haywire. It's it's the same
0: story. But in one case, the thing grows because because it's got too much sunlight. And the other one grows because there's not enough sunlight so but that's weird yeah i agree that's weird but, I but, mean, but also gone... it's in line with all the iranian stories yeah it's exactly. always like weird monsters and it yeah i mean it was in the 50s and 60s so very often yeah. it doesn't quite make sense it's like science fiction science yeah. fiction for
1: kids you know this is the part that i it's not that i hate it but i i really don't love it okay you know i i'm this science headed person you know i i I understand that. Yeah, you're a science boy. You grew up on dinosaurs. Yeah, exactly. And and the science we have here is the same science we're going to get on another planet. You know, <laughs> it should, right? It, it, yeah, it, it doesn't matter where you are. Water is water, and and you know. That's always that. I know there are different types of, of creatures possibles and, and, and you know, I, I, I get it, but things always react the same way with heat and cold and and everything. So that's the little part that I really didn't like. I really would have liked seeing Rand go freezing all of a right. sudden. S- something
0: more akin to that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like that's the actual problem they have. But then he, uh, whatever, he he uses those big contact lenses to fool the mist into thinking there's still three suns.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess.
0: Because uh, (laughs) in actuality, it does not, I don't think this would change the amount of heat. No, it wouldn't. Okay, so (laughs) it just distributes it into three lights in the sky for that city. uh... Uh, Yeah, no. In any case, what is this mist that steals moisture from people? and then when you heat it enough it turns into rain so so with yes. more heat vapor becomes liquid that's also opposite makes no sense and uh, and then when it rains everybody's okay cuz yeah oh we got our moisture back that's really not how you get moisturized so <laughs> no
1: no exactly exactly so that kind of bugged me but you know a suspension of disbelief Uh, I'm going to go with it. But like I said, I don't hate it. It's just that it's not my favorite way to go.
0: So for you, the Adam Strange sequences were better? Oh, yeah.
1: I really enjoyed Adam Strange's sequences because he was back on Earth. You know, he's back home, but home is in a different place, of course. And he's being a superhero. Normally, he's not the superhero when he's on Earth. I mean, he's not. But right there. He was the superhero and I kind of dug that. I was like, yeah, you know what? He has the, it's like this, if you had this buddy from your hometown that went to the Super Bowl cause he's a super football player and all of a sudden you never see him cause he's another, in another, in another, city. And all of a sudden he comes back home and he plays for, I don't know, garage league and, and he's doing stuff. I, I don't know. It, it just felt cool. Okay.
0: Unless you're those people at the pool. Who race out of there yeah. when he starts shooting <laughs> yeah. at the pool? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And creates that that vapor, that steam cloud.
1: That's super science, also.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's. But th- that's where we sort of take a break. I loved a shot where he turns around and Lois Lane has a mic in his face, so yeah. when she gets a close
1: up. And Lois is is so nicely depicted in this uh, comic book.
0: And we we get we're getting a Lois that is like late seventies. Lois isn't. As enamored of Superman as she used to be, I feel, or of Clark Kent, for that matter, because Clark Kent has gone over to WGBS. He's the news anchor. She's still at the Daily Planet. It's all part of the same building. One bought the other, you know, WGBS bought the planet. So I think that there's friction between them as professionals. Like, he's the guy who left the, 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 you know, the honest (laughs) newspaper business in favor of the, I don't know, lame... TV flashy, business, flashy yeah. TV business. The TV business that lacks depth and turns everything into a 30-second oh, yeah. he, bite. He's a sellout. He's, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm taking her part there because maybe I agree with it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, so there's a friction uh, between them. But also, anything, every yeah. time she talks about Superman in this, there's always a sort of – a bit of snark in there, a bit of bitterness. She's kind of putting down Superman. So I feel like both of those relationships aren't as strong as they used to be. Yeah. She's getting modernized, I think, is what's happening. So she's not the lovelorn Lois Lane of the sixties, obviously. She has more guts, it seems, and she's less of a she's less of a hanger on.
1: Actually she she kind of feels like the Lois Lane from the movie. Sure, yeah. Which would be around this time, right? The like Superman movie yeah. came
0: out in seventy seven, as did this comic. This is uh oh, seventy eight. right. So yeah. It's been in theaters if it still isn't in theaters at this point, because it was a big hit. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just like that that break where he goes back to the Daily Planet, uh, gets a stock of what's happening, and we see that on Earth everywhere, you know, plants are going out of control or you yeah. know, that
1: heat is really bad. Yeah, yeah. Something enormous is happening to Earth, but Ren just, you know. Has a little bacteria in his water. Well, that choked people out. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. But, you know, it, I was going to say it doesn't grow tentacles, but probably would. Yeah. So
0: we learned that the Zeta Beam is cold itself. And so there's a, uh, that's how Adam Strange finds the the Zeta Beam projector, whatever, the machinery, because mm-hmm. the, the Australian outback should have a, looks like a ice volcano, an ice kano. It shouldn't have that. So that's where he goes. <laughs> and, uh, and then he fights some robots, you know. Kulkor. Is that his name? (laughs) Kaskor. Kaskor. Kulkor is something else. Kaskor is there and actually there. And so we get some like really, you know, funky robots that are going to be able to to split into multiple robots, as we'll find. So we can talk about those designs. But first, I want to talk about Superman's escape, because he comes in almost immediately. And uh, Superman's escape. So... Another instance of the stretchable cape, and I could hear you grinding <laughs> your teeth from from two separate addresses, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Uh, so is this, this still a problem for you? The the stretchable cape. Uh, it's just you it's know, not so it's, stretchier. I don't know how. He just he just hides from the he just uses it to to shield himself. Yeah,
1: I know from the it's red just, rays. It actually makes sense in this context, but. They don't even have to say that it's a stretchy cape. I mean, they're just doubling down on on the stretchiness. It's yeah, it's not particularly
0: <laughs> and, stretch, but he says he calls it his stretchable cape. I know. In I know, other words, it's a stretchable, stretchable cape. P-
1: it's a. <laughs> I know, and 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 it, I don't know why it bugs me. <laughs> it just. It certainly me. bugs me less than the fact that these
0: robots are at all a concern. Superman <laughs> should be able to do away with these things. Easily. And eventually he does. But at first, it's yeah. like he's hitting these things. And they look like, you know, some of them look like 1960s Doctor Who robots. Uh, you yeah. know, they're just like Dominators. Although the Dominators were the, the Quarks. The Quarks were the robots. <laughs> so one of them looks like a Quark. But when he hits them, it just looks like everything falls apart. But on each part is also a fighting robot. Or a fighting yeah. element. Like the head is the spinning blade or
1: Yeah, they're like reverse Voltrons. Right. They're a big robot who separate in a smaller robot form to keep on fighting. So they're just a nuisance. But I, I think they actually are nineteen sixties Doctor Who leftover robots. I mean Cascor can be that Cascor is a nineteen sixties. Yeah, it can't be that villain. resourceful. I mean he probably has like the old stuff. He's not going to be using the latest technology. I mean. Yeah,
0: because this is one of the things that Superman does uh, that is extreme. He blow, eventually he gets, he gets tired of them and he blows them into orbit <laughs> <laughs> and blows them into orbit. So this yeah. is really one of those planet pushing Superman stories. And that this is my thought when I was reading it the first time i was going oh this is really one of those planet pushing superman stories and then he, later on he pushes the earth <laughs> for real <laughs> so um yeah uh, and i thought the 70s th- that's when they depowered superman can you imagine th- it is <laughs> th- that's when they decided no no we got to like bring down the power level but that was yeah. early 70s so already by 78 that's all undone you know he's back oh, to well, pushing planets around uh it's crazy
1: doing stuff so quickly that you can't see it, as a reader, he has to tell you he's done it. I was coming into orbit. I heard you guys talking with my super hearing. I used my supervision to break your gun because I knew you were going to use it later on. I mean, he's he's really super Superman.
0: Yeah, like this gun, this whole gun thing. Cascor has a gun that Zeta beams you. So he yeah. turns the gun on himself and he's going click, 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 trying to, to shoot himself. It's a very odd thing image. It is. It because is. Because you're just trying to teleport yourself. Yeah. Mm, odd. And from there, well, we've got like the whole plan, which to me, this cl- the way they explain the climax is all very confusing. Yeah. I had to reread it like three, four times. <laughs> uh, the whole space warp thing, then looking at it and then going back. I-, I don't think they quite portrayed it or explained it where you get it the first time around. It's just too convoluted because it, it includes that. And they've got arrows, they got a whole diagram that they've drawn in the sand, and I still don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah,
1: i yeah. I think Garcia Lopez tried his best to put it in a visual, mm-hmm. and once you
0: see it, it's not any more understandable. That's not what I'm saying. But Superman that throws a spaceship like it's a dart. Yes. The whole bit where Adam Strange has to time his entry into the warp as yep. he disappears because of the Zeta Beam energy. You know, all of this stuff where he might explode with it. That's all very well done. I love that. Look like the Panel oh, yeah. placement is going, these trapezoids that are shrinking towards the uh, warp. So it's very, very dynamic art. And then when it happens, when the Earth is pushed, and I mean, these are visuals you're only going to get from a Superman comic of certain eras. And uh, yeah. and I'm there for it. I mean, this is the Superman that I grew up with because he was pushing planets in the Super Friends cartoon. Yeah. And that really yeah. was some of my first Superman stuff, right? So yeah, yeah. okay. I- I'm I'm there. I'm there with you.
1: Yeah, I'm there with you. This is my Superman. This is the Superman that was on my wall when I was young. Cool. Although the space warp thing Mm -hmm. uh, has come up in uh, one of the later Superman comic books where Superman almost he's teleported somewhere and almost instantly comes back because he can now use these space warps like he wants. I mean, he knows where they are and I, I think he, he can even create them. I don't know. I, I haven't read the comic.
0: Okay. I don't know where this is, but I do remember that when after invasion, when he left for his space exile, he does fall into a space warp, yeah. and that's how he oh, gets yeah. to War World and so on. Space warps are, are cool. They're very useful, apparently. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, finally, there we got our epilogues. I agree, Superman is sort of winking at the – well, he's winking at the camera, but it's also us across the way from the page. But I much prefer epilogue two because – Oh, yeah. The three suns, you know, it's like the three setting suns, and we yeah. – it's really well drawn – It feels like an alien space. You got all these flowers and such, the city in the background, the shading on this, the coloring on this. It plays with the idea that it's a setting sun and they're backlit. Very, very good. And I feel like this is the romance I was talking about earlier. And this is what, to me, this is a key component of Adam Strange's stories.
1: Definitely. Superman winking, that's a a nod. But Epilogue 2 is where the whole heart comes in. It's beautiful. It really is beautiful.
0: All right, who fared better? And our debate starts almost where we just left off. How well does this fit each of the stories or atmospheres? Is this a Superman story or is it more of an Adam Strange story? And if the heart of the story belongs to Adam Strange, is it then an Adam Strange story? I'm asking you. Oh, (laughs) That last shot on Ron. Is it like, if we end the story there, is it a Adam strange story
1: um no yeah yeah it is yeah I guess it is I was gonna say I don't know okay because even though the last shot is beautiful and everything from run is beautifully made I mean metropolis is so well depicted and and it feels like earth you know uh, even when they go fight cash cow what's his name again <laughs> Cass- uh, Cass- Crescor, or. Cascor. or um, certainly not a cash cow <laughs> No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. I mean, it feels like Earth all the time. So uh, a lot of the 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 plot is going down on Earth, even though the end sequence is very much so indicative of a Adam Strange.
0: And it's his villain. And it's his villain, yeah. Like Superman in space and going to other planets, that's very usual. Adam Strange coming to Earth, that's unusual. So maybe it feels a bit more, for me, it feels more like... This is an important story for Adam Strange. Whereas for Superman, it's uh, a day in the life.
1: Yeah, it's just another Tuesday for for Superman. Right. But I, you know what? I would have liked a, maybe a grotesque ice monster or something on Ran that would, you know, Superman had to fight a huge Yeti type. I mean, fighting gas, he could have, I mean, he could just blew that into space also. I mean, I mean he could do that to every <laughs> every threat. <threshold. laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well that's Superman. That's planet pushing Superman. Well,
0: let's talk about his cool moves then. Cool moves. Superman's cool moves. I, I, is it blowing the the robots into space? No.
1: Kind of a tie between using the glass domes as lenses to heat up Ranagar or that that mist or uh, using the space warp to get to to Earth so quickly. Or there's a lot of cool moves. Superman is pulling out the stops here. Using their heat ray from space to mess with cascor's teleport gun? That's a baller move, I mean.
0: But he does a lot of crazy things. I'm going to go to a very tiny moment. Because okay. it is cool in the sense that, you know, effortless. And that's when he, uh, when the civil war rebels attack, and he puts his finger out and he stops one of them, uh, the hover bikes, and the guy goes <laughs> flying. Of course, and I think that's very well done in terms of art, but it's also like Superman not using excessive force. It's just like, oh god, you, to, you know, stop, stop, <laughs> yeah. stop it. And I feel yeah. like he's very cool in that moment. He's not stressed. He's not, and it's just a, a small manifestation of his power.
1: That's all he needs. I, I do agree that is very very cool. The one finger thing.
0: Yeah. It's so all I need is one finger. Maybe even the index was excessive,
1: you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's a strong finger. That's a, that's one of the your stronger fingers. Adam Strange's cool
1: moves. What do you think? The timing of that ending. Oh, that was, that was just beautiful. Superman did bring up that, you know, he can't just push Earth out of the way. And then Adam Strange goes into this planning mode. They create this spaceship and the timing of of everything you know the zeta beam beaming uh, adam strange out of there the timing of the spaceship you know darted by superman that has to go a certain speed you know to to hit exactly the right spot all that planning that timing it's all basically adam strange's move superman just yeets this spaceship into space Yes, I did use the the word yeet.
0: Yeah. I, I, I have
1: a 10 I'm not Euro sure how I feel it. about that. Except I
0: do agree with your call that this is his coolest move, especially because it uses the Zeta Beam as an element, and that the Zeta Beam is Adam Strange's thing. Yeah. So yes, let's find a solution that has the Zeta Beam in it, because it is an Adam Strange story. So I will agree with that.
1: Let's talk about dumb or weird moves, however. Superman? Um, this is not going to be a surprise. Oh. The stretchy cape. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome, but it's dumb. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get the stretchy cape a lot more as going forward. <laughs> I
0: can't believe it would be like phased out already. I don't think there's anything really dumb that he does. I think this is a very good story for Superman, but weird. I'm gonna give it to his pushing the Earth into the space warp because I did think the series was or the franchise was beyond this kind of stuff in 1978. I guess. Okay. I guess it's not. You know, when you look at someone pushing a planet, he's really just pushing the floor. And in any other story, that would make him go through the ground.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: You know, so it's always a little weird for me when this happens, especially when, and you said it earlier, when otherwise they use science to explain things.
1: I mean, Superman's strength has always been that problem, right? Catching something out of the sky, going at, you know, incredible speeds would probably rip them in half, you know, but he catches them so softly. I mean, it can't be just velocity. There's something going on with Superman's strength that he can pick up a huge rock and, and that it doesn't the fall weight apart. of the rock. Yeah. It doesn't fall. The apart. It, it,
0: John Byrne explained it in his run as a form of telekinesis.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That tactile telekinesis type thing that the uh, Connell. Had.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like the lift was hard and then, Oh, suddenly it's weightless. And that's because he's actually holding it up with his, Kryptonian brain, just like the heat vision, was now a pyrokinesis. You know, he made it more of a brainy kind of power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that explanation works for you. What about Adam yeah. Strange's weird moves?
1: You know what? Uh, Adam Strange got this hunch that in Australia, that's where the Zeta beam hit and there was this ice thing. And he got from Metropolis to Australia in like four minutes flat. They do say a bit of time afterwards. But, you know, flying from what would be New York to Australia would take a lot of time, a lot of fuel. And I mean, I love Adam Strange, but he has a jetpack. He can't be going Mach 3 in a jetpack. I mean, how quick is he? So that's kind of the weird Move there. Maybe use the space warp. And, <laughs> uh,
0: but for, for me, I am going to call out the boiling pool. Oh, yeah. You boil a pool. It creates a cloud of steam that hides the suns, the triple suns, and the uh, algae stops growing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That worked?
1: <laughs> well, he didn't have a stretchy cape.
0: If he'd had a stretchy cape, I would more believe it. Because then you catch all the steam in the cape, you fly up. Actually, you stretch the cape over the algae.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. How about that? Yeah.
0: Okay, finally, we talk about the friendly farewell, since it is a team-up tradition. How does this one rate? Because there really isn't (laughs) one, right? No, really. You don't see them say goodbye. It was just an acknowledgement that the other guy helped on the news, or good luck when you know, let let me sit you down in a flying bomb, <laughs> point you towards a space warp.
1: Good luck. And that's really their goodbye, isn't it? The, the goodbye is Superman throwing <laughs> a golden spaceship jet that has engines on it, by the way. He just throws it into space and that's it. That's the goodbye.
0: Pretty cursory for a Superman story. When usually. So I guess that's why they needed that epilogue where he says, thank you. To the camera, yeah. I suppose Adam Strange can watch this broadcast in uh, 1.2 years, however far Alpha Centauri is. 4.2 years? Something like that. Four and a half years? All right. I thought it was closer. In any case, in a few years, Adam Strange can can see this on his TV <laughs> when the TV rays reach his
1: (laughs) planet can you imagine adam strange just being bummed out for four years and i yeah i helped superman and i planned it all out and
0: i didn't get a thing i didn't get a thank you note
1: (laughs) being pissed off at superman
0: (laughs) oh yeah well we'll take a break for a couple of promos we'll be back with our special features why you little did you know about this i was told you were clever you must be. To keep Stephen from seeing how cheap you are. 13 years of sex with the same man can be a little bit boring. Because, baby, now we got bad blood. You know, it used to be mad love. So, take a look what you've done. Because, baby, now we got bad blood. Dear Reader, Season 2, join me, Stella, as I look at the 1936 play The Women by Claire Booth Luce and its three cinematic adaptations from 1939, 1956, and 2008. Does the play highlight the complicated aspects of female friendship or display the cattiness of women when in competition with each other and with time? Listen and find out. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Podcasting Network. L'amour, l'amour, that's French for love. Coming soon from Amalgam Comics. Harbor Patrol woman Monica Strange didn't ask to be turned into Zeta Energy, but that's just what happened in the recent double-sized JL Avengers Annual. Now, spinning out into her own series, Captain Strange is lost in space, looking for Earth without a roadmap. Her only hope, to follow rumors about alien races she knows once tried to invade her home planet. But will they be friendly and point the way? Seems doubtful, but to find out, you're going to have to shell out your hard-earned bucks for Captain Strange's cosmic title. Watch for it on the sixth Wednesday of this month. We're back, and let's start with our monthly feature, the bonus team-up, in which each of us proposes, in this case, a perfect Adam Strange team-up. What do you got?
1: Well, I think I have the the perfect Strange team-up. Oh. Yeah, I'd like to see Adam Strange be caught in a weird Zeta Beam accident and land In New York and find his long lost cousin, well, looked like his cousin, Dr. Strange. I mean, together, the strange cousins could find out that Mordo and Kenjar Ro uh, somehow connected and were plotting to acquire dimensional powers or something like that to become gods of their respective universes. And uh, this ultimate strange crossover would be awesome and we could go where no human consciousness has gone before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sure would be trippy. Interesting. So uh, Marvel DC. Their family name is Strange. Oh, I, I get it. They have to be related. Yeah, I'm sure there are more Stranges in comics than in real life. I would go with, uh, I think it's, maybe it's a bit boring in a way, but Adam Strange and John Carter of Mars. Let's see. Ooh. i do it exactly like this story. Well, not exactly like this story, but, you know, whether a guy appears on the wrong planet. So Adam Strange okay. appears on Mars, on Barsoom, from the John Carter stories, and John Carter would appear on Ron. And then they deal with, whatever, each other's problems. Yeah. And then they meet in the middle or something. You know, then they, they each help each other with the larger threat or whatever it would be. And it'd be a, a way to pay tribute to the original character that was like this.
1: Yeah, and maybe they could have a second issue where Flash Gordon's in there somewhere.
0: Yeah, I guess. No, Flash does Flash. Flash Gordon doesn't really have the same... Well, yeah, a little bit, I guess. Yeah, uh, kind of. I, kind of. He's a man from Earth, and then he's, he's with all these aliens. Yeah. Yeah, he's on Thanagar, essentially. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, yeah, you could have that. And in the same way, Buck Rogers is also a hero from, except it's time travel. Yeah. He's propelled into the future, which is an alien world for him. So all of these characters have a similar Earthman of today transplanted into an alien environment for him, uh, alien sci-fi environment. So maybe we could do a a sort of event where they each cross over into one another's
1: worlds. Where superheroes are regular Joes.
0: It's like everybody's like this. Everybody's got a jetpack. Uh, Next up is, because each segment of the show has its own flavor, and in the case of DC Comics Presents, it is called Whatever Happened to, as we explained, uh, we're not there yet, but DCCP has a feature uh, called Exactly That, in which creative teams took some Golden Age or Forgotten Heroes and wrote an ending for them. We're not going to cover those, because they have nothing to do with the team-ups, but we are going to take a page from them, and every episode asks, Whatever Happened to a character from this story. And in this case, we're asking whatever happened to any of the pedestrians on the street? (laughs) Because on page, uh, whatever it is.
1: Page 10. Page
0: 10, when Adam Strange appears out of nowhere, JLGL just doesn't just show him popping into a a generic city street with generic people. Uh, Look at the diversity of characters and designs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so who are these people and what happened to them after this? And we each chose a person or a grouping and we're going to tell you their backstory and front story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and, and we'll put the page, obviously the page will be, you're going, who were these characters? I'll put the page on the, uh, in the image gallery. All right. So who do
1: you have, who, who did you, who did you pick
0: on this street?
1: Well, I mean, this street is, it's not just a street. I mean, it's a, it's a scene. This is a scene. We have a cop car, we have a hot dog vendor. We have a lot of people in there, but we have this awesome, groovy music loving guy and his dog just walking. Yep. And I figured that after being witness to the appearance of Adam Strange, this groovy, music-loving guy finally decides to plunge and follow his dreams. He founded the R&B funk group Earthwind & Kryptonite <laughs> and made 1978's best music. Earthwind & Kryptonite had this smash hit called October, which went all the way up to the Metropolis top 100 R&B hits charts. And uh, they were a huge success. All the way from Gotham City to Star City
0: I wonder what's on his uh pin he's got a pin and there's something written in the pin and I oh that's at, I don't know yeah I'm guessing if you had like the full the, the page at its original size
1: yeah I chose the guy because uh Earth Wind and Fire had the the incredible hit September in 1978 so oh
0: well that's a very good musical. Uh, connection i also like his on necklace. so maybe he i I thought maybe uh, wait a minute is this death in disguise i i decided on something a little mystical myself so uh there's the mom with the kid the kid's pointing at at adam strange like oh he's almost the first one that sees him and uh, well she's got an interesting jacket right yeah Um, and that's because she was originally from limbo town And after Clarion the Witch Boy bullied her son in school, she decided to leave the Magical Pocket Dimension and enroll her boy in a nice, unmagical school on Earth-1. They were shopping for school supplies here when the strange Rocket Age hero pops out of nowhere, and she thinks, Ah, this place isn't any better. So she goes back to Limbo Town and forms a Witch Moms Against Witch Boys committee, (laughs) <laughs> under whose pressure the elders banished Clarion to our world. <gasps> yeah, thanks a lot, Witch Mom. Oh, that's what happened. That's what happened. And he became a thorn in the demon's side. And uh, eventually, well, eventually a soldier, uh, one of the seven soldiers of uh, a victory. <laughs> victory, yeah. <laughs> a victory under Grant Morrison. So that's all part of that story we just never knew before. Wow.
1: That's an incredible twist.
0: I mean, if you're going to be putting this much detail into a random scene with just pedestrians and giving them interesting designs, we're going to come up with stories for them. Oh, big time. Okay, now it's time for listener feedback from our previous episode together in which we covered DC Comics Presents number one and two starring Superman and The Flash. Uh, Let me start here by reading some of the comments from Alan W. Wright. I'm glad to see Siskoid and Bass's team-up survive into the new podcast era. The ads for DC Comics Presents made me a must-buy for me, as it gave me a chance to explore the DC universe. Unfortunately, this was 1978, and it would be a few years before I discovered comic book specialty shops. And I couldn't find issue one at any of the variety stores, but I did buy issue two. And uh, it sent me on a flash kick. So it did its job. It really did its job. Oh, and I gathered that both maps in the 1970s comics uh, and also the Answer Man columns established that Central City is in Ohio. So back in the day, Ohio is in the Midwest, so our calculations fit what was known in 1978. But then they moved it to Missouri after crisis. There it didn't make sense. But for the time, (laughs) those mileage between Metropolis and Central City... Did make sense. Huh. Huh. Okay.
1: Yeah. Cool. Chris Franklin said, despite buying comics or having them bought for me at the time, I missed the first several DCCP issues. He goes on to say, when I finally read the entire story in the Superman by uh, uh, GL, GL, uh, praise be his name, hardcover. Yeah, it's pretty bonkers, but man, it looks pretty. Superman's cape got a lot of play in the 70s and early 80s for some reason. He's not sure why. And neither am I. <laughs> uh, I. I seem to recall Supes stretching it for several miles in at least one story. Did Jor-El create unstable Kryptonian molecules? He asks.
0: Yes. Yes, he did. He did. In that version of history, he did. The costume was indestructible. Whereas, again, <laughs> if we look at the John Byrne, it's a shield. It's like he's got a natural force field that covers his clothes if they're oh. tight enough. Uh, see, it's all mental. Uh, we have Gene Hendricks as Barry Allen goes to another universe and participates in a race with other speedsters? This was your choice of uh, <laughs> bonus team up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, that sounds familiar. And he sends me a link uh, to the Marvel Wiki's entry for Buried Alien. Buried Alien was an amnesiac speedster from another universe. He claimed that he had a wife and friends and that he had to run fast to try to save the universe. He was discovered by the runner in Quasar number 17, I guess that's why Gene knows about this, and Mm -hmm. invited to participate in his great race. He beat several other speedsters uh, and was declared to be the fastest man alive, but never recovered his memory. He later adopted the alias Fast Forward. Buried Alien is a reference to... Barry Allen. Mm-hmm. Get it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Besides a similar sounding real name, the character wore a tattered red costume with yellow accents and boots. Felt like he had a ball of energy like lightning inside of him. Was from an alternate reality. And when he first appeared, the last thing he remembered was running, a reference to Barry Allen's death in Crisis on Infinite Earths when he ran himself to death. Here, instead of dying, he was transported to another reality. He is also declared the fastest man alive, which is the Flash's most common epithet, which he says feels right. So (laughs) at the end of Crisis, if you want to believe it, Barry Allen ran into the Marvel Universe.
1: I think that's very plausible. Ido Bosnar said, I've always been fond of these two and several more of the earliest issues of DCCP. Ever since I bought them in uh, three-pack bags, with the Whitman logo mm, on them. Yeah. I recently reopened them. In The Handy and Quite Lovely Adventure of Superman by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Be his name. Be his name. Book and they held up pretty well for me. Yes, the story was silver age level of silliness, but it's still quite enjoyable. And man, the art is lovely. Amen. That's beautiful. Even with the inks by Dan Atkins. Although I would agree that the, the lady stories where there's no Anchor, the the art looks better. Uh,
0: Then we have Jeff R. says, This series is my jam. Not covering the backups... Though, is going to make the Forgotten Heroes uh, and her- Forgotten Villains story confusing, but that's a problem for 2030 Siskoid and Bass, I guess. <laughs> well, before that, you'll have to contend with Pete Ross and a mess of Bronze Age backstory uh, that I don't think has ever been collected. That's not a problem for us. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: It's not a, not a problem for problem us. For us. <laughs> when we have to do research on something, we'll do the research on the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... The- we'll just go back and read those... Prologues, which will have been the whatever happened to. I mean,
1: it's not like we don't enjoy reading comic books. (laughs) I mean, we love it. Uh, Sean Mayers says, uh, I was a big fan of this title when it was on the stands and I'll be happy to listen to each episode as they come out. Well, you're welcome to do those, Sean. Uh, This podcast has made me very happy. You've made a less than stellar story into an incredible, enjoyable time.
0: Uh, Well, that's our formula for for zero (laughs) hours. (laughs) <laughs> oh no, really? the story's terrible. <laughs> Let's laugh at it, and laughing is a good feeling. Oh yes, it is. Then we have Ward Hill Terry says, "I was on this title from the very beginning. It was my personal golden age. Then I bought DCCP for many years, but there were only a couple of stories that stuck with me. As gorgeous as the art is on the initial team up, and the intriguing to a fourteen-year-old notion of time being circular, <laughs> I don't think I ever bothered to reread it. Well, we we offer that service." <laughs>
1: we we'll do it for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you just got to listen. Bucky749 said that was a great pair of super stories. There you go. Thanks for teaming up with me, best once
0: again. Oh, my pleasure. Let me reveal that the next time we speak, we'll be covering DC Comics Presents number four, Superman and the Metal Men. What? Metal Men like Metallica? Um... <laughs> There's a lot of them, actually. Superman teams up with the Metal Men quite a bit over his story. Whatever, I think twice even in Action Comics when it was a team-up book. And a number of times in DC Comics Presents. So they're they're favorites of his. I mean, the Metal Men are are very cool. Yeah, and they're fun. So a reminder that we do have a Patreon, so if you like this content, want more like it, please think about making a monthly or a one-time donation, the amount of which will allow you to unlock rewards. Check it out at patreon.com slash fwpodcast. This month, we're proud to team up with our sponsor, Alan W. Wright, the bold outlaw. We also enjoy reading your thoughts. The best place for that is fireandwaterpodcast.com, but you can also visit the Fire and Water Podcast Network Facebook page or find us on Twitter at FW Podcast. We'll read your comments on this Issue when Bus is back with us. But next month, the cycle begins anew, and I'll be here with Shag as we continue his coverage of Marvel Team Up with issue 142. On that, see you next time for another amazing superhero team up, because after all, justice is a team effort.
1: I am a science boy. I grew up on dinosaurs A million different species of birds And aircraft